Welcome back, brothers and sisters, as we continue our journey through the book of John. And today we'll be looking at John chapter 2, verses 13 to 14, which I have titled, The Temple of Sin. The Passover of Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. The Passover of Jews was near, and every Jew male from the age of 12 and up was expected to attend the Passover at Jerusalem, a feast celebrated to commemorate the deliverance of the people of Israel from Egyptian bondage. On the 10th of the month of Abib or Nisan, which generally corresponds to the month of March, though its closing day sometimes extended into the month of April, a male lamb of the first year without blemish was taken and on the fourteenth day, between three and six o'clock in the afternoon, it was killed. The elaborate evening celebration of the feast of the, in the days of our Lord's sojourn included the following elements. First, a prayer of thanks given by the head of the house, drinking a cup of wine, and other cups were emptied as the feast proceeded. Then the eating of the bitter herbs and a reminder of the bitter slavery in Egypt followed by the sun's inquiry, why is this night distinguished from all other nights? And the father's appropriate reply, either narrated or read. Then the singing of the first part of the Halil, which is the Psalms 113 and 114. Then the washing of hands, followed by the carving and eating of the lamb together with the unleavened bread. The lamb was eaten in commemoration of the Father's command to do it. In the night when the Lord smoothed the firstborn of Egypt and delivered his people, as referenced in Exodus chapter 12 and 13. The unleavened bread was a memorial of the first days of the journey during which the ancestors had eaten the bread of haste. It was also an emblem of purity. Then there's a continuation of the meal, and each ate as much as he liked, followed by singing in the last part of the Hallel in Psalms 115 up to 118. On the day which the lamb was killed was followed by seven-day Feast of Unleavened Bread, which celebrated from the 15th to the 21st of Nisan. So very close was the connection between the Passover meal proper and immediately following the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that the term Passover is frequently used to cover both. Thus, in Luke chapter 22, verse 1, a very significant passage we read, Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And also in Acts chapter 12, verse 4, And when they had seized him, they put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. The term Passover covers this entire seven-day festival. The Old Testament calls the Passover a feast of seven days, as in Ezekiel chapter 45, verses 21. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, you shall celebrate the feast of Passover, and for seven days unleavened bread shall be eaten. 
During the seven-day festival called Passover, many animals were offered in sacrifice, as seen in Numbers chapter 28, verses 16 to 25, which reads, On the fourteenth day of the first month is the Lord's Passover, and on the fifteenth day of, the, of this month is a feast. Seven days shall unleavened bread be eaten. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, but offer a food offering, a burnt offering to the Lord, two bulls from the herd, one ram, and seven male lambs, a year old, see that they are without blemish. Also the grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah shall you offer for a bull, and one-tenth for a ram, a tenth shall you offer for each of the seven lambs, also one male goat for a sin offering to make atonement for your for you you shall offer these besides the burnt offering of the morning which is for a regular burnt offering in the same way you shall offer daily for seven days the food of a food offering which is pleasing aroma to the lord it shall be offered besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering and on the seventh day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no ordinary work to Jehovah. Hence, when we read about the oxen and sheep sold in the temple court in the second chapter of John, the conclusion would seem to be warranted that the term Passover in verse 13 reverse to the whole entire week's festival. This time span is a critical aspect that will come into importance later as Jesus comes towards the end of his earthly ministry. As Jesus went up to Jerusalem, true in this case in a literal sense, actually ascending from 680 feet below sea level near the Sea of Galilee to 2,500 feet above sea level, the altitude of the holy city, but very true in the religious sense. And he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting. Now at this occasion, Jesus entering Jerusalem's temple notices that the court of the Gentiles had been changed into what must have been have resembled a stockyard. There was the stench and the filth and the bleating and the lowing of animals destined for sacrifice. It is true in the abstract that each worshipper was allowed to bring to the temple an animal of his selection. However, let him try it. In all likelihood, it would have been not have been approved by the judges, the privileged vendors who filled the money chests of Anus. Hence, to save trouble and disappointment, animals for sacrifice were brought right here in the outer court, which was called the court of the Gentiles, because they were permitted to enter it. Of course, the dealers in the cattle and sheep would be tempted to charge exorbitant prices for such animals. They would exploit the worshippers. However, those who sold pigeons would do likewise, charging perhaps four dollars for a pair of doves worth a nickel and then there were money changers sitting cross-legged behind the little coin-covered tables 
They gave the worshippers lawful Jewish coins in exchange for foreign currency. It must be borne in mind that only Jewish coins were allowed to be offered in the temple, and every worshipper, women, slaves, and minors accepted, had to pay the annual temple tribute of half a shekel. The money changers would charge a certain fee for every exchange transaction. Here too, there were abundant opportunities for deception and abuse. Furthermore, given three conditions, the holy temple, intended as a house of prayer for all people, had become a den of robbers. When we look at a temple today, we can without doubt conclude that it is still contaminated by sin. But the only difference is that the temple now lies within us. Jesus has torn the temple down and rebuilt it in three days through his resurrection. As we die to our sins, we are rebuilt in the new temple filled with the Holy Spirit that empowers us to keep our faith and focus in Christ. How easy it is to allow ourselves to be contaminated by sin. Sin perpetrated through our immoral needs, desires and lust for a world that burdens our souls and blinds our hearts from our Saviour. Like Jesus, unless we clear the temple of our hearts and soul from sin, can we be upright in our journey. The sacrifice has been made on our behalf by Christ Himself, and we are called in good and righteous works for the glory of our God in heaven. Thank you, and God bless.